When I was growing up, I, for some reason, always confused the colors orange and purple. I'm not colorblind. There's not any problem with my sight or anything. I can tell the difference between the two of them. But for, for some reason, I got the words confused. And I can remember sitting in the back of the car one day, and my mother was asking me why I had worn my orange shirt that day. And I told her it, it wasn't orange, it was purple. <laughs> and my mother looked at my dad who was driving the car, and she was getting really worried. She said, do we need to make an appointment to have him go see the ophthalmologist to see if there's some problem here? And my dad said he doesn't have a seeing problem. He's got a hearing problem. He just wasn't listening to you. And that's probably true. But sometimes we do get confused in life. You may have read the title of this morning's sermon and, and, and thought it was a typo. Others matter. That, that should be other matters. But no, it's the right title because that's exactly what God tells us in the last six of the Ten Commandments. That we're not the only one that matters. Others matter. Last week we looked at the first four commandments of what we often call the Ten Commandments. We saw how they deal with our relationship with God. The last six of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with with each other. And the first of those six commandments, we could sum them up by saying, we know better, <laughs> but we do it anyway. Those commandments that deal with our relationships with others start in a very significant place. Your first relationship in life is with your parents. So it's important that you get that one right. The fifth commandment says in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 20, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, as the Bible notes in Ephesians chapter 6, this is the first commandment with a promise. Ephesians also follows that statement with some instructions for parents. Now, obviously, there are complicated situations sometimes in the relationship between parents and children. Sometimes that relationship is difficult. And this commandment in no way, shape, or form would ever condone a, an abusive or neglectful situation. But it's important that we not miss the point. The fifth commandment is a transition in the Ten Commandments between those commandments that deal with our relationship with God and these commandments that deal with our relationship with other people. And the promise here is simple. Strong families make for a strong society. Or, or put negatively, when the family falls apart, society falls apart too. That was true for the nation of Israel. It's true for us today. We live in a culture that celebrates youth. And that's not all bad. But we must never forget the ones who got us here. Recognizing the contribution of our parents bodes well for our own character. When we're infants, we are totally dependent on our parents. We reach our teens and we, we try to pull away from our parents. And then we enter into adulthood and spend the rest of our life learning how smart our parents really were. 
Honor your parents if you had a difficult relationship with your parents. Make peace with them if that's at all possible. If you suffered through an abusive relationship, find the healing that only God can provide. It's no accident that these commandments dealing with other people begins in this avenue of our relationship with our parents that so impacts the way that we treat everybody else. The sixth, seventh, and eighth commandments are the obvious ones. Verse 13, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, those commandments are obvious. Don't hurt people. Don't murder them. Don't steal their spouse. Don't steal their stuff. I mean, even people who don't believe in God, who don't read the Bible, who don't care what God's Word has to say, even they know those things are wrong. It goes without saying. So why did God save them? Well, He knows us pretty well. He knows how we are. We're always trying to to make a better deal, to get away with just as much as we think we can. We, We somehow think it's okay as long as we don't get caught. But we, deep down, we know that's not right. Everyone understands these commandments. Even if they break them, they understand these commandments. These commandments announce some foundational truths. Love your parents and don't hurt anybody. We get why it would be a better world if everybody did that. We get why that's the right thing to do. My mom and dad said it to me. I bet your mom and dad said it to you too. Somewhere along the way, they said, you know better than that. And they were right. We did know better. We did know better not to throw the baseball in the living room. We did know better not to flush the beanbag down the toilet. We did know better not to put peanut butter in our sister's shoes. Although that was really funny. (laughs) Paul points out the same truth in the first chapter of Romans. Basically, that chapter says everybody knows better. Everyone realizes that they are not who they're supposed to be. The Ten Commandments, after establishing our need to recognize God in the first four commandments, the commandments provide those things that we know we're supposed to do. Murder, adultery, stealing, respecting your elders. Everybody knows that's what we're supposed to do. It's what leads Paul to say in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all know better and do it anyway. But what if we haven't done those things? We haven't killed anybody. We haven't robbed any banks. We're okay, right? Well, the Ten Commandments help us to understand that indeed we do all fall short. The Fifth through the Eighth Commandments, they tell us some things that we already know. We, we, we understand this. We get this. We know these things are true. 
And sure, there are those people who do those things and get those things wrong. But then the ninth commandment, it's a little bit closer to home. Verse 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, we all know we're not supposed to lie. We know that. It's another one of those statements that that we get it. We understand, okay, we're not supposed to lie. We're supposed to tell the truth. So why do we do it anyway? Again, this is one of those things that even someone who doesn't know God knows this. We all know we're supposed to tell the truth, but we figure that little lie, it's not going to hurt. And then another lie to cover up that little lie, well, it's no big deal. Now, the word of the, the commandment actually goes farther than just lying. It actually covers hurtful uh, statements like gossip or defamation of, of character. We even call it an, a character assassination. We know how bad it is. We, we understand this just isn't right. But we don't think it's that bad. Just look at Facebook and Twitter. People do this all the time. And they know it's not right. Maybe it's worse than we think. And then the Ten Commandments takes it one step further. Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, now the, the other commandments, the previous commandments of these ones that are about our relationship with others... They talk about things that would directly harm someone. And we see how that's a problem. We, we understand, you know, stealing somebody's stuff or, or, or lying about them or, or, yeah, killing them. That would be a bad thing. We don't want anybody doing that to us, so, so we shouldn't do that to other people. But just thinking wrongly, is that really so bad? Just wanting something that somebody else has. Thinking, well, that's not fair. I should have that. They shouldn't have it. Something that's just going on in your head. That doesn't hurt anybody, right? How could that be wrong? Well, Jesus recognized the problem. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus describes how someone who lusts has Committed adultery already. That sounds harsh, but we get the problem. If you don't covet somebody else's possessions, you're probably not going to steal them. All of this Starts. All of these things that hurt others, all of these things that we know we shouldn't do to others because we wouldn't want them being done to us, all of these things that we understand, it all starts here. It all starts with what we think. The fact is, at the root of Adam and Eve's original sin was their thought that somehow God was cheating them. 
that by not allowing them to eat from the true, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that somehow or another God was keeping something away from them. And that wasn't fair. And that's where it all starts. And we are all guilty. The other day I had a flat tire. For some reason, flat tires never occur at a convenient time. I'm not sure when a convenient time for a flat tire would be. But so far I've never had one at a convenient time. And this was decidedly not a convenient time. But there was nothing I could do. So I, so I, I took the tire to a repair shop. And I said, I've got a flat tire. Could you, could you fix it for me? And they, they took the tire. And they told me that, that they found the, the problem. I had a nail stuck in my tire. That was the good news. The bad news was the nail had gotten stuck in my tire so close to the sidewall that there was no way to repair the tire. I was just going to have to buy a new one. So I bought a new tire. I mean, it wasn't like I was going to drive the car around with three tires. I mean, that wasn't going to work. That little nail took over my tire. It took over my car. It took over my day. All because it was lying in the road instead of being hammered in somebody's wall where it was supposed to be. The Ten Commandments make it very, very clear. It's not just those Big sins that matter. Those little sins can be devastating. They hurt and they harm in and of themselves, but they are also a foundation for devastation to come. Which brings us back to the point. The whole theme of of these last commandments. Others matter. You are not alone in this world. We're in this together. Now that's an encouragement. It's good not to be alone. It's good to have others around you. But it's also a reminder. How you treat others, even how you think about others, it matters. The very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, teaches us that we were created for fellowship. We're created for fellowship with God and we're created for fellowship with each other. And in the second book of the Bible, Exodus, here in the Ten Commandments, teaches us that when we forget those two things, it brings about devastation. So don't forget. Others... Matter. Heavenly Father, the, the Ten Commandments are some essential truths. They, they hit right at the very basics, foundational understanding of who we are and how we should live. 
And so thank you for providing these in your word. For stating the obvious. For these are things that we we already know we should do. But we are a forgetful people. And Heavenly Father, we have all broken these commandments at one place or another. And that means we're separated from you because of our sin. But God, you took care of even that. And today we sing and we celebrate that even in our sin, you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. And then to rise again so that we might have forgiveness and everlasting life. As we seek to live our life for you, Heavenly Father, help us to share that glorious message. Because everybody that we know needs to hear it. Because everybody needs Jesus. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to how God is leading in your heart this morning. Uh, Maybe you're here and you already knew this. You already knew that your life wasn't really what it needs to be. And you came here this morning, and part of you is saying, I don't want to go there because I'm just going to hear what I already know. (laughs) They're going to tell me I'm not the person I should be, and I ought to be better. Well, guess what? You're you're in great company (laughs) because all of us are exactly in the same place. There's not a single one of us that's good enough for God. There's not a single one of us that has not broken the Ten Commandments. There's not a single one of us that on that day when we stand before God, we will be able to say, well, well, Lord, I didn't do any of those things. No. Every person here is in the very same place. And that's why the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. But the Bible doesn't leave us there. That's the the bad news. The good news is that's not where the Bible stops. The Bible tells us the truth because we need to hear it, and we already know it anyway. And then it gives us the answer. (laughs) All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. <laughs> That's good news. And I'm telling you, if you came here this morning and you were thinking, oh, I don't want to hear that message, I don't want to go away feeling guilty, I, <laughs> like I said, <laughs> you're in the right place because we're all in the same boat. But we've got good, good news for you. That our Savior and Lord has provided the answer. And we want to share that answer with you this morning. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we'll be singing. And if you're here today and, and, and deep down you know, hey, I'm not where I need to be. And I, I don't know what God can do, but if God can fix this, that's what I want. God can fix it. In fact, He's already done it. He's already done everything that needs to be done. He sent His Son to take our place. 
Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for all of us. And we want to tell you about that. We also want to tell you about how he rose again. Even that wasn't the end of the story. He's alive right now. He can be your Lord and Savior too. If simply by faith you'll receive what he's already done. We want to share that with you this morning. You come in just a moment as, as we sing. I'll, I'll meet you and greet you here. I'll introduce you to some wonderful people here in our church. That they'll sit down and show you in the Bible that I'm not just blowing smoke at you this morning. <laughs> I'm telling you what God's Word says, that Jesus has the answer for you. You come this morning just a minute. We, we want to share that good news with you. Maybe there's something else that God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're looking for a church home and, and you're looking for a place where you can join with other believers and share God's good news with our world. We'd love to tell you how you can be a part of what God's doing here at National Heights. You come and we'll share that with you this morning. Maybe there's some other way that God's leading you today. Maybe there's a private need, something that's going on in your life, and you just really need to, to have a conversation with your Heavenly Father this morning. Just spend some time just allowing him to wash over your life and, and uh, uh, encourage you and to lead you in whatever that situation is. You feel free to use these invitation moments as a, as a time of prayer, just even right there where you are, just saying, God, I, I don't know how to handle this, so I'm coming to you seeking your help, and, and God's there. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how he's going to answer it, but I can tell you he does have the answer. <laughs> so you can go to him this morning. Whatever it might be, however God is leading you in your life today, we invite you to allow God's Holy Spirit to work in your life today. Listen to his call as we stand together and as we sing.